Hey, all right, we're going to get started. So we are in our second week, finishing up second week of a 21-day Daniel fast. So those of you that have been fasting with us, um, we are super grateful and uh, praying and believing God for great things to happen in the city and throughout uh, the world and also through what he wants with this church. And we had prayer on Friday night, and that was amazing. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, we've been praying on Fridays. And this Friday was the last opportunity if you want to come. We pray monthly, but this is our, our corporate prayer. will begin this Friday night. So we're doing a series on fasting and prayer. And uh, it's called Fasting Power Through Sacrifice. The whole idea of fasting is a shifting of your appetites. You're setting aside something of the earth, and you're hungering for the things of heaven. And so in our case, what we're doing is we've been setting aside meats, sweets, and fermented grains. You're like, you got donuts over there. It doesn't look like you're said, well, I'm not eating the donut. That's the problem. But uh, so anyway, I haven't had sugar in two weeks. That's, an, that's a miracle. And that's amazing. I mean, it's just a really, it's, it's a very clarifying thing. And the purpose of fasting, when you're fasting, you actually, when you engage in spiritual things, you have a heightened awareness and a heightened experience. And so that's actually, because people feel miserable. They're fasting like, oh, I just feel miserable. I feel horrible. You know, and they're and like, I hate fasting. I'm like, then you need to worship, get in the spirit, and you'll have more of a heightened uh, experience with the Lord. That's the whole point of fasting and also hearing God and letting God speak to you. So we're talking about fasting. Today we're going to talk about prayer. And we talked about prayer last week and we did uh, the model prayer, which is Jesus, the our Father who art in heaven. And we just went through that and showed you that it's actually a model of prayer, not necessarily a mantra of prayer. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And there's a lot of prayers in the Bible, but I'm going to talk to you today about the prayer of Jabez. And some of you are very familiar with this because it was quite popular about 20 or 30 years ago. There were books and T-shirts and plates and plaques and um, all kind of bumper stickers all about the prayer of Jabez. Um, but very few people actually understand the concept of the prayer of Jabez fully. In the book of First Chronicles, the story of Jabez stands out in the book of First Chronicles, which is an Old Testament book, is you're going through this chapter, and if you were to read this chapter, all you would see would be a list of names. So-and-so is the family of so-and-so is the family of so-and-so is the family of so-and-so. And you just want to kind of yawn and go, who cares, right? Why does this matter? What's the point of this, right? Well, if God puts something in his word, there's a, pro there's a meaning to it. Whether we understand it fully or not, there's, there's an issue. The purpose, they're called genealogies or family lines. And so God put the genealogies in his word and commanded his people at that time to keep their genealogies. The primary purpose of that was so that when Jesus came on the scene, his credibility could be traced back. He would have all the credentials. It would be shown that he is a son of David. It would be shown that he won through the line of the kings and that his genealogy went all the way back ultimately to Abraham and then ultimately to Adam. And so that was the whole point, because if you were a Jew and you showed up and you said, I'm the Messiah, well, the Jews would they would they would check you out. It's like, well, the Jews got the, you got to be a direct, a direct blood descendant of David. You've got to be a direct descendant through the line of the kings. Is he a descendant of the line of the kings? Not only that, is he a descendant not only up to David, but is he a direct descendant from Abraham? Is there any intermarriage along the way? And it was just they had to be a pure descendant of Abraham and a pure descendant of David. And so that was the purpose of genealogies, so that you can understand why they're in the Bible. And actually, the genealogies, the Jews have a hard time because after, uh, I think it was uh, when, when the, the temple was destroyed, the first century temple was destroyed, they lost all their genealogies. Their records were destroyed. Well, why were their records destroyed? Well, they were not necessary anymore because Messiah had come. So there was no longer any necessary, they were no longer necessary, which today, when the Jews go to rebuild the temple, they're trying to, they're doing DNA tests because the people that serve in the temple have to be of the order of Levi, and they specifically have to be of the order of a group of, Le of Levi's sons called Kohens. And so they need these genealogies. The Jews are going to rebuild the temple. I don't know why I'm getting into this, but the Jews are, <laughs> are going to rebuild the temple. They're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and the people that serve in the temple, they need the genealogy. They need the genetics. They have to carry a specific genetic, and they have to carry a specific genealogy. They have a hard time doing it because the records have been lost, and so they're finding different ways of doing it. They're going through genetic testing and things like that, but ultimately they'll, they'll fulfill it. But anyway, in First Chronicles, we're going through this list of names, and all of a sudden this dude just jumps off the page. Don't you want to jump off the page? Wouldn't it be great? You want to just jump off the page and just be out of the ordinary, not be just one of the crowd and one among many and just stand out to God? 
It doesn't matter if you stand out to people. What matters is if you stand out to Jesus. It doesn't matter what people think. How many knows people's opinions change, right? Change with the wind, you know? If you, any of you watch sports, the coach loses a game, they're like, fire him, right? He wins three in a row, give him a new contract. I mean, it's like, you know, people's opinions just change. But God's opinion matters. It says, now Jabez, everybody say this with me, was more honorable, say it with me, was more honorable than all of his family. He stood out from all of them. That's right, you can say that. And his mother called him Jabez because she said, I bore him in pain. And so she had a hard time, obviously, delivering Jabez. And so she's probably there wheezing and panting and sweating, having gone through about 36 hours of labor. And they're like, what are we going to name the child? And they're like, you can name that boy Pain, because that's all he caused me. And so she named him Pain. And Jabez did not like what other people said about him. He did not like the labels that other people had put upon him. And he refused to be the person other people said he was. This boy was written off before he even started. And so when he got older, he called on the Lord. He said, I can't change my circumstance. I can't change my situation. I can't take these labels off me, but I know someone who can. And it says, and Jabez called upon the Lord, and he said, oh, let's say it together, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Say it like you mean. Anybody want a blessing? Oh, that you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge my territory. That your hand would be upon me. That you would keep me from evil. And that I would not cause pain. What does this say? So God granted his request. What, first question, what made, Joe, what made Jabez more honorable? What made him more honorable is that he called upon the Lord. He called upon the Lord. And he didn't just call upon the Lord. He called upon the Lord with a distinct understanding of God. He, the Bible says this, those that come to him must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is who he says he is. Those that come to him must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Jabez believed God was who he says he was. He said, I can't change my season. He can. I can't prosper my life. He can. I can't walk in blessing, but he can make me walk in blessing. I can't prevent myself from causing pain, but he can. He believed God said he, who he said he was, and he honored the Lord. You honor God by showing him who he says he is. When you resonate with the character of God, honor, say this with me, honor gives access. There is no access without honor. You must honor in order for there to be access. That's right. Whether it's the Lord, you can say, yeah, the reason we say it is I want to drive it in. There's a verse in Philippians that says, pound it in. What we don't know and what we need to understand, pound it in. Drive it in. In other words, that's why, we, that's why I get you guys to say this, because I want to reinforce it. It's not enough to just hear it. I want, you to, I want you to speak it. I want you to hear it for yourself and get it rooted in your own heart. So Jabez calls upon God. He believed that God was generous. He believed that God was kind. He believed that God was merciful. He believed that God was loving. He believed that God would lift the lowly from the ash heap. He believed that it, no matter where I am in the spectrum of life, if I will turn to the Lord, even if I'm in a pile of ashes, God will raise me up. He believed that. And the Lord said, you honor me because that is who I am. You honor me because that is who I, who I truly am. If you read the Gospels in particular, this is important to understand because God's character and nature is very important to understand. Jesus has a problem when we don't see him the way that he is. He uses the word perverse. If you read the Gospels and how Jesus talked to the people, he tells them perverse and twisted. He tells them a twisted generation. You're twisted. Well, what are they perverse on? Were they perverse in their behavior? That's not what he's referencing. You're perverse in your understanding of me. You think I'm someone I'm not. You believe I'm someone I'm not. That's what he's saying. That's the problem. The problem, we have a lot of issues even with the gospel in the churches today. We're preaching a Jesus that that is not who he is. It's not who he is. He's a God of miracles. He's a God of signs. He's a God of wonders. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of future. He's a God of destiny. That's who he is. He's not God as you understand him to be. He's God as he proclaims himself to be. And so we have to see Jesus as he says he is. And we have to adapt our life and adjust our belief systems to who he says he is. Christians break the second commandment all the time. 
We create a God in our own image. Oh, no, I worship Jesus. But is that the Jesus of the Bible? Or is that the Jesus of somebody's doctrine? Or is that the Jesus of somebody else's ideal? You can be saved and born again and worship a false idol. You're worshiping a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Just saying. Don't shout me down. No. It's true. The same thing was going on today in his, in his day. The people were saying he was something that he was not. And he said, you're wrong. That's not who I am. And you're twisted in your thinking. You're twisted. You think I'm evil and I'm not. You think I'm not good and I am. That was their problem. Oh, you don't need, you do miracles by Satan. Those miracles are coming by Satan. And you know what he told him? He said, be careful. Be careful. He said, all profanity against the Son will be forgiven. All profanity against the Father will be forgiven. But if you profane the work of the Holy Spirit, you are right on the line. It's borderline blasphemy to attribute evil to a good God. Good God. You are right on the border of profanity, profaning him. Right on the border. Jesus is good all the time. Everybody say it with me. Good God, bad devil. It's, just, it's as easy to understand as it could be right there. Good God, bad devil. Plain and simple. So Judah means praise. So Jabez was a descendant of the line of Judah. He was a descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham had a grandson named Jacob. Jacob ultimately had 12 children. Those children were divided into family sections, which the Bible calls tribes. Each one of these tribes had a name. We have the tribe of Levi. We have the tribe of Issachar. We have the tribe of Reuben. And, of course, we, among many, we have the tribe of Judah. Judah was the tribe of praise. Judah, when God sent the people out, Judah was the first tribe to go first. They went first. So every time, God set them in an order. So while God is wild and free... God is also structured and orderly. And so he would assemble the people in an order, and he would send them forth. And as he sent them forth, Judah was always to lead the way. Well, what does that tell us? Everybody say it with me. Before I get out, praise must go out. Praise precedes your going out. That's right. They had to praise. God was saying, I'm going to show you something. When I move and I lead you into something, praise has to lead the way just the way it is. Let's say this together. Praise, Praise. is intentional, which means you don't feel like it. You don't feel like it. I feel like praising God. He doesn't say that. Read the Psalms and you'll get a good idea. David was a praiser. That's what David did. That's why we have an entire book of songs, poems, and all of these things, because David knew how. It's one of the longest books in the Bible. You don't think David understood the principle of praise? And you know what he said? I will praise the Lord. I will. He didn't say, I feel like it. I'm in the mood for it. He said, I will. I set my heart to praise the Lord. Awake my soul and give honor to God. That's what he said. My soul doesn't feel like waking. And so he goes, and he goes into the mirror. He looks himself in the mirror, gives himself a couple of high karates, and tells him, wake up, soul. Jesus is here. Wake up, soul. Praise God. He said, I don't have anything to praise him for. Find something. Find something. Father, I praise you that where I am is not where I'm going to be. I praise you that everything else in my life is against me, but I give you glory because you are for me. I give you glory that if you are for me, what could possibly be against me? That you praise him. Thank you, God, for a glorious day. Thank you, God, that I live in America. Thank you, God, that I have a church. Thank you, God, that I have friends. If I don't have any friends, Jesus, you are a friend to the friendless. You're never without a friend. If you got Jesus, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? You're never without a friend. Find something and praise him. If you want out of your circumstance, praise him. It's, it's counterintuitive to who we are. It's completely against our way of thinking. You say, I just suffered a great loss. Everything was done in my life. Father, I thank you that what has been lost is not greater than what I am going to gain. I praise you that you and you alone are the restorer of fortunes, that you and you alone are the God of tomorrow, that you are not just the God of my past, my present, but you are the God of my future. You do it counterintuitively. That's what, it, that's what praise looks like. It's intentional. Praise literally means to extend the hand. That's what it means. I give you something. I'm giving you something. So worship is to bow, worship, I'm, give, I'm, I'm, I'm bowing, praise is to extend the hand. If you ever watch Hebrews, you ever watch the Jews, when they, particularly the Hasidics, when they're praying, they're doing this. Or when they're singing, they're doing this. 
And why are they twirling their hands? Because they're praising. They're moving their hands. You know? That's what they do. They'll, they'll do that. You'll see them dancing. Because praise means to extend the hand. Next slide. Before you get out, praise must go out. Here's the idea of Judah. This is the idea in Genesis 49. What's happening here, Jacob is dying, or at least he thinks he's dying. He's not dying for a few years. And the reason that Jacob's calling his son, he doesn't die for like another 20 years, but his uh, half-brother had died, or somebody had died in his family around the same age that he was. And so he figured, well, my relative died at this age, so I'm going to be dying, so bring all my sons together. And he calls all of his children forward, and some would say he wanted to bless them. But what the Bible is not just indicating blessing, the Bible is indicating prophetic word. Okay? So Jacob is pronouncing a prophetic word over the lives of his children. He's declaring something over their life. And so he brings Judah before him, his son Judah. And so everywhere you see the word Judah, you can put praise. And he says, Judah, you are whom your brothers shall praise. What does that mean? Praise brings praise. Honor brings honor. Honor gives access. Praise brings praise. Judah, you are praise, and you are whom the, uh, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Praise causes your hand to be on the neck of your enemies. You say, how does that work? I don't know. I just know it's true. When you praise, your hand goes on the neck of your enemies. Come on. Your father's children will bow before you. What does that mean? Your praise, so praise brings victory and swings the battle. If you ever saw the story of Moses in the book of Exodus, or it was Exodus or Numbers, where they're battling the Amalekites and Moses had his hands up. And so long as Moses had his hands up, what happened? Anybody know? They would win. And every time Moses' hands went down, what would happen? They would lose. So here's a question. Do you think Moses felt like having his hands up? This is getting a little tiring. I'm tired of praising. But if praise brings victory, then I need a couple of brothers over here to hold my hands up because praise is what brings victory. So whether I feel like it or whether I'd somebody get me a chair. So he sat down on a rock, you know, and he kept praising because the praise was what was bringing the victory. And so he kept on praising. Praise brings the victory. Praise brings influence. Your father's children will bow before you. When you're a praiser, God increases your influence. Why? Because you have an attitude of gratitude. That's the idea. God blesses the thankful. It's just how it is. He tells us even when we come before him, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Blessing is to the grateful and the praiseful. God does not cast pearls before swine. In other words, the idea of when Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before the swine, this idea is like, I'm not going to put something in front of someone who doesn't understand what they have. I'm not going to continually feed you with something until you learn to respect what it is that you have. And so when we learn to respect and grateful and praiseful for what we have, then we're given more. That's how that's a principle of increase. Judah is a lion's whelp. Praise turns you away and into a victim. When you praise, you become bold. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? You could be this weak, little, timid person. You start praising God, and all of a sudden you're like, what? You know, who? I'm bulletproof now. Because you're a descendant of the Lion of Judah. And praise manifests or makes you known, makes your nature known that you are a son or a daughter of the lion. You are the whelp of a lion, which means a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies like a lion, and as a lion, who will rouse him? You're no longer a victim. You're the victor. You're looking for something to conquer. You're not running around waiting for things to conquer you. You're looking for things to conquer because you're praising God. You ch it changes something. Prairies shift something. Jabez understood this. Praise brings authority. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And some theologian in a room is going to go, that's a prophetic word about Jesus. I understand that. But we can also apply it this way. The scepter from not will not depart. Authority will not be taken away from the praisers. The praisers will have the authority. The praisers will walk in the authority. You say every believer has the authority. Of course. But no, not every believer operates in the authority. Not every believer understands what it is that they have. Praising activates and grants and opens up authority. Next slide. You with me? Think praise matters? Praise matters. Praise matters. I knew a guy, lost his child, 
tragic accident, horrible accident, car accident. Guy was in his 20s, kid was going to school. Bad, really, really brutal, brutal, brutal experience. And it was like his only son, and the guy was just devastated. And he was a pastor, and he had a hard time. A really, I think anybody would have a hard time, right? Your, all of your dreams and hopes, your 20-something son, glorious future in front of him, destroyed and killed, everything taken away in a moment. And he, couldn't, and he was just really down, and he was mourning. And this was going on. He's like three or four years into this mourning. He just could not pull himself out of the mire. It's just spiraling. You just, just can't, just, just don't have it. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You just, just, just don't have it. Just, you know, you know, but you just, you just don't have it. And uh, he came across the guy, and the guy told him to praise him. You know, telling you things like, like the pastor doesn't know this. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, you need to praise him. It's like, you need to praise him. And so the guy heard what he said, and, and he was all like, um, he tells a story. He's like, I was all like, you know, confused about it. And he said, but I felt like the Lord was really dealing with me to praise him. And so he said he just locked the door. And he said, and it started out like this. I praise you. Do you hear me? I praise you. And he just began to just release praise. And he began to release prayer in that way. And something lifted off of his life. You should try it. You should really try it. Father, I praise you. I praise you for every wound that I have experienced. Not because you brought the wound, but, but through the wound that I can experience your healing. I praise you for every circumstance, for every disappointment that I have experienced because I know that in you I can appreciate the things that you've done for me. You find something. You turn, the, you turn it into glory. You turn it into gold. It's completely against the counter. It's against human nature. And so if it's against human nature, chances are it's in line with God's nature. You find something. Find something and praise him. Lock yourself in the door, in the closet, and if you've got to force it out, force it out and just keep forcing it and forcing it and forcing it until something shifts that's what it looks like you think david wanted to praise god you ever you, you want to read a story of a really bad life i mean it's like we treat things in the bible as if it was like these people were exceptional people you know i mean how would you like to be on the run for 15 years you can't go home you are being violently hunted wherever you go there's a hit squad out for you. You're living in caves and in rocks. You have nowhere to go. Everything's been taken from you. If your family members see you, they report you. That was David. His only friends were a bunch of wild guys that just came and said, hey, we just want to hang out with you. We're on the run, too. Yeah? He was hanging out with a bunch of and he ends up living with the Philistines. He ends up having everything stolen from his life. Every single thing that could possibly go wrong went wrong. And yet he, pra yet he praises God more than anybody else. Oh, I was a walker? Oh, okay. I didn't want it to be a baby. I was like, is that a baby? <laughs> Rise. <laughs> There's the baby. <laughs> so he praises God more than anybody else because things don't go wrong. What are the facts of Jabez's life? We can't escape pain. Jabez was born into pain. Pain is going to happen in this life. And so here's our theology lesson for today. Where does pain come from? And here's the problem, and I think this stuff needs to be reinforced in the American church because we ascribe all of these things to the Lord as if God is the author of sickness, as if God is the author of famine, as if God is the author of disease, as if God is the author of rape, as if God is the author of all of these things. We ascribe evil to the Lord. And you know what the enemy does? The devil celebrates it. He celebrates the ignorance of the church. If he ever said hallelujah, he'd say hallelujah to that because he loves it when people don't understand the Lord rightly. Because you cannot inherit the blessing without fully understanding the Lord correctly. It's simple theology. Good God, bad devil. Jesus said it right here. The thief, whom he's referring to, he's he doesn't even want to mention his name because his name is unmentionable. He doesn't mention Lucifer. He doesn't mention Satan. He doesn't even call him that. He doesn't even give him the honor of calling his name. When I type my notes, every time I type Satan, I always intentionally lowercase it. And my spell check, yeah, it's true. My spell check always wants to capitalize it. And I'm like, stop capitalizing it. I don't want it capitalized. He's not worthy of a capital letter. <laughs> he said, Jesus calls him the thief. And he says, what does he do? The thief, the fallen angel, he does this all the time. This is all he does. He doesn't take a vacation. He works 24-7. And this is what he's doing. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Jesus, what Jesus is basically telling the people, as this generation needs to get the theology right, 
We live in a generation, particularly among the younger people, they don't have their theology right. They're just, just completely abysmal on theology. I feel like we're, gonna, we're starting a Bible school, and you guys can pray for this on this. This is just something that's come out of the fast. I want to start a seminary. I don't want to start just a Bible school. I want to start an accredited degree program where we're training people from bachelor, from associates, all the way up to doctorate degrees, and that understand the right things of the kingdom. You say, why would you do that? Because there is such ignorance. And those who control the seminaries are teaching foolish nonsense. And so we have generations of pastors that are coming out that don't understand simple theology. They don't understand there's a devil. They don't understand supernatural things at all. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you are, you are ignorant of the word of God and of the power of God. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. And so here it is. It's good God, bad devil. And so he says, I, Jesus says, I have come, say Jesus has come, that I may have life and that I may have it more abundantly. That's the reason Jesus came. Jesus did not come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we ask the question, why did God do this to me? And I've suffered a lot of tragedy in my life. I've suffered a lot of loss in my life. And I have people ask me, why would God do this? And I always tell them, God did not author this, but he will finish it. He is not the author of this, but he will finish this. He did not create this, but he will turn it into something good. This is what Romans says. God uses all things to work together for our good. In other words, I'm not causing this to happen. It's sin, it's brokenness, it's demonic. Sometimes it's your own stupidity and your own foolishness that's making this happen. God's like, I will turn it into something good if you'll allow me. And so Jabez has four requests in his prayer. And his first request is that the Lord would bless him. Do you believe the Lord wants to bless you? This is, again, an important starting point. You'd be amazed at how many Christians don't believe that God wants to bless them. Well, I'm just grateful. I'm just saved and just glad I'm going to heaven. And, you know, and that's all, you know, if God gives me anything, I'm just, I'm really grateful. Again, that's a twisted understanding. Does that what God, is that what God's Jesus said to Jabez? Did he say to Jabez, how dare you ask me for anything? Did he say to Peter, when Peter said, I've given up everything for you, what are you going to give me? Did Jesus go, you capitalist? Who do you think I am? No, he said, everything you've given Peter is remembered. Everything you've given Peter is marked, and you'll be rewarded in this life and in the one to come. And so you have these, 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 these dynamics of Jabez, and Jabez calling out and saying, Father, bless me indeed. Do you believe it is God's will to bless you? That's the big thing. It's the Hebrew word Baruch. It means to honor, to raise up, and to exalt past. Anyone want God to exalt you past? Wherever you've been, Jabez was born into broken circumstances. Jabez was born with everything against him. And he turned to the Lord, and the Lord exalted him past everything that he was born into, and the Lord exalted him past everything that everyone else had said about him. Anybody want that? What Jabez is saying is, I don't want to be average. I don't want to be normal. Is anybody mad at average? Do you want to be average? You got to get mad at average. I am mad. I do not want to be average. It's not okay for me to have an average life. It's not okay for me to have an average marriage. It's whatever, whatever your average is, it's not okay. And some people are just content with being average. You guys watch the TV commercial for DirecTV? And I'm selling it out there. We're settlers. You see the one I'm talking about? You know, the one guy they're over there, and they're like, Dad, why can't we get direct TV like the so-and-so? And then one guy goes, we're settlers, son. That's what we do. And they're farming the front yard, you know. <laughs> we're settling. We settle. We settle. We have to press in. We have to contend. We have to desire. We have to want the promises of God. You have to want them. Are you mad at average? How do we get the promises of God? We believe. Believe that who he is. We request, Lord, what you have for me, give to me. And here's the thing, and I'm just going to come against a couple of things here right now, because again, this is, again, I'm trying to shift the mentality. The idea, people say, well, I just want whatever Jesus wants for me. Really? Well, what do you think Jesus wants from you? Well, I don't know, but I want whatever Jesus wants from me. And what does the Bible say? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. What do you want? What do you want? Well, I don't want to ask for what I want. No, no, really, what do you want? What God is placing in your heart, if you're worshiping him and he's putting a desire in your heart, what he's calling out of you is a prophetic destiny. What he's calling out of you, he's calling out of you a direction, a dream, a desire. Ask him according to the desires of your heart. Well, I don't know if my desires are right or wrong. Well, why don't you ask him for him and let him tell you? 
Why don't you do that? Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want a million dollars. Well, why do you want a million dollars? Well, so that I can rich and be famous. Okay, well, chances are that's not the issue. Lord, I want a million dollars so that I can support your kingdom. Lord, I want a million dollars so that I can bless other people. Lord, I want a million dollars so that I can do good in the world. Okay. So we ask, we believe, we request, we obey. God has principles with which we're to follow. I said this in first service. Can you get from Homestead to Palm Beach going north in the southbound lane? Well, technically, yes. If you don't get pulled over or if you don't have a serious accident along the way, you can. But the, the, the reason that it's very difficult is you're in the wrong lane. And so the next question is, is there a way to get from Homestead to Palm Beach? The answer is yes, but you have to ride in the right lane. This is the same principles of God's kingdom. We have to lane, go down the lanes that he has established. We obey the things that he has. So people believe God for things. They, they believe that God is going to bless them. They ask for things. But here's where we tend, to, we tend to trip. We tend to trip over the area of obedience. We tend to not want to do what God has told us to do. That's where we're tripping up. You know? And so here's, this is an understanding. So again, we'll just reinforce this. Everybody say, Jesus is righteous. Jesus is holy. So what does that mean? It means he alone determines what's right and wrong. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness is what is right to God. God does not share his righteousness. He alone determines what's right and wrong. So if he says, you want blessing, here's the path. You want destiny, here's the path. And you go, well, I don't think that's the right way. I don't know if I agree with it. Well, he didn't give you that right. The blessing goes down the lane that he says. It's the same thing with holiness. God alone determines what is pure. God alone determines what is not pure. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad our government doesn't determine ultimately what's right and wrong? Aren't you glad the government doesn't determine what is holy and what is not? And if you think, well, I don't really have a problem with our government, well, look at some of the governments of the world. Aren't you glad that they aren't the final authority on what is right and what is wrong in heaven's eyes? Only God is. And so the idea here is that God wants to bless you. You have to believe. You have to request. Do the things that he's telling you to do. What is he telling you to do? I want financial blessing. You know what? God's got a very simple financial plan. He had, it's called tithing and offering. That's his plan. We participate, we invest in his kingdom, and we reap the dividends of, of investing in his kingdom. And here's where, the, here's where all the pushback comes, and here's the rub. Okay, Christians go, well, I don't think I have to tithe. I don't feel like I should tithe. Okay, well, you're free, you're under grace, so you don't have to tithe, you get to, but you don't have to, and all I tell them is just expect, then you need to adjust your expectations. If you don't want to operate according to God's financial plan, then you should certainly not expect the things that he says you can have in that arena. Because the things that he says you can have are directly related to that. I want greater intimacy with the Lord. I want greater intimacy. I want to learn to hear God's voice. He tells you, read, your, read the Bible. You want to hear my voice? Learn to read the Bible. You'll begin to grow in your understanding of understanding and hearing my voice. He tells you these things. People go, well, I don't want to read the Bible. Well, then you shouldn't expect to hear the word of the Lord. Because God's Holy Spirit speaks a language, and it's called Scripture. He speaks according to his word, Right? So we say, these, we say these different things. Well, I want, a, I want a better marriage, or I want a better job, or I want whatever. Whatever it may be, God has a blessing. You say, Lord, I want God to give me a better job. Well, one of the things he tells you, do you work your job right now as though it was under the Lord? And you go, I don't make enough money for me to do that. Well, then he's not gonna, you're not going to get promoted in heaven's eyes. You have to learn to work your job as though you were serving Jesus and not yourself. Promotion comes through him, right? He says he'll promote you but you have to do it the way that he asks you to. That's what it's all related to. And what ends up happening is we don't want to do what God tells us, and then we get mad at the Lord. We get mad at him. Oh, God won't give me a better job. Can't believe it. Just because I don't show up on time, just because I don't get my work done, you know, that's what the Lord will show you. You want me to give you a better job? Okay, here's what it looks like, Kevin. Can you show up on job, and can you do your job diligently? Can I trust you? And here's what happens. You want to know how promotion happens? And many of you are experiencing this as we speak. God will give you a job, and you're the Christian on the job site, right? And so he'll give you a job. I watched this happen to me many times. Work for a company for years. They'd hire somebody doing the same job and pay them more money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They brought that dude in. He's making two bucks more an hour, because I was working on it by the hour then, than I am, and I'm doing the same job. And I'm, you know, I'm raging, right? I'm like, inside, I'm like, this is crazy. They don't appreciate me. They don't love me. Do they not see the work that I'm doing? 
How can they do that? And then I would, but as a believer, I would take it and the Lord would be, shh, 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 quiet. And so I faithfully followed the path and God promoted me. Those people were not there for very long. They ended up leaving. They talked their way into the job. They ended up talking their way out of the job, you know. And so God promoted me. What heaven is doing, it's always an examination. Will you be faithful with what you're given? If you will not be faithful with what you're given, he will not promote you with more. People go, well, if I had a million dollars. If you're not faithful with $100, you'll never be faithful with a million. Mark it down. Mark it down. Those who are faithful with little can be entrusted with much. That's what the scripture says. But if you will not be faithful, even with the little you have, you will never be entrusted with much. These are principles of the kingdom, guys. This is how this whole thing works. It doesn't work any other way. That's why the Lord is righteous. We think we can make it. We think we're the exception to the rule. You're not the exception to the rule. God has, a, he has divine laws. He has divine access points. Jabez understood God's divine access point. He understood how to access the things of heaven. How did he do it? I don't know. Maybe he intuitively got it. Maybe he saw somebody else do it. We don't know how he understood it, but he understood it. And he operated according to the principles, and it began to release into his life. That's how it works. It doesn't mean you go into it, but it just means there's things that are moving in your life. There's blessing that is moving in your life. There's things that are happening in your life. And the Lord is always testing your faithfulness. So when you're believing God, let's just say this. I'm believing God. I've been faithful in my job. I'm faithful in all the things the Lord has told me. I'm faithful in my giving. I'm faithful in my service. And we're not doing this, guys, out of, an, out of a religious let's check the box. We're doing this because this is the relationship that we live. Right? It's like a husband being faithful to his wife. Well, I'm not going to be faithful to her because it's just this religious duty that I have. I'm to be faithful to her because I love her. I'm going to be faithful to her because I set my affections on it. I'm doing it because, not because it's something that I'm doing. Discipline is the lowest form of discipleship, so you know. When we discipline ourselves, and we should discipline ourselves, but we have to understand that when you're operating only out of discipline, that is the lowest form of discipleship. So if you're not even at the point of dis disciplining yourself, you're not even at the first point of, di of discipleship. The higher form of discipleship is following out of love. The higher level of discipleship is I do this because he's worth it. I do this because I love him. I do this because he's, he loves me. That's, what, that's why we do it. That's the higher level. You understand? So what we, this is the low level. This is what discipleship following Christ in the kingdom looks like. Paul says the love of Christ compels me. Why I do what I do is because of the love of God. And so when we give, we give because of the love of God. When we serve, we serve because of the love of God. I was at this conference all weekend, so I'm a little fired up. It was awesome. It's amazing. 11 conference at Harbor Church. It was amazing. Darren Davis. They're going to do another uh, conference, and I'll let you guys know, and they're doing something else next month, and if you guys want to go to it, it's, it's really just amazing. Great church. Extremely similar to us. It just it blows my mind. It's like, like just totally crazy, just culturally and everything. So I was really blessed by that. And I had a guy there, and so there's a lot of prophetic words going around. And so if you ever operated prophetically, and um, you get in the word, so there, I'm, I'm over. <laughs> I'm going to make it quick. But you guys want to hear the story? Yeah, or somebody just, okay, why not? So, um, so we're, I'm, I'm there, and there's this guy there, and I just give him this word, and he's like, um, I tell him, I said, are you, you know, I said, look, there's just pastor all over you. I said, you feel like you're called to ministry. He's like, yeah, but I don't want to do, I don't want to be a pastor. I said, why not? And he said, I watch how people hurt my pastor. And he said, I never want to experience that. I don't want to do that because I watch how people treat him, and I watch how people, you know, do to him. So he's like, I don't, you know, you know I, t I just told him, I'm like, listen, I said, you don't do it because of the people. You don't do it because of yourself. You do it because Jesus wants you to do it for the people. And I told him, he told Peter, if you love me, then serve these people. If you love me, then lay down your life for these sheep. If you love me, then let them bite you. If you love me, then let them just poop all over your front yard. Just, just let them do it. Love them. Serve them. Take their abuse. Take their whatever. That's what I was telling this guy. I said, look, you don't do it for that. And he said, well, I don't know if I want to be a pastor. And here's a big one. It's not what you want. It's what God wants to give you. How many blessings do we withhold simply because God wants to give us a blessing and we don't want him to give it to us? My friend, his son just got a parrot. I went to his house. I was doing some work on his house. He's trying to move, so he asked me, and you know, he didn't have a lot of money to fix his house, so he asked me. I used to do that for a living. I said, yeah, I'll come fix your ceilings and whatever. So I was just working on his house, and I walked in his house. He's got this crazy parrot. Bah, bah, bah. 
And I'm like, that's new. And, um, and he goes, yeah. He said, my son Jacob was asking me for a parrot for Christmas. And he said, and he's a little boy. And he goes, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, Jacob, I'm going to get you a parrot. I'm going to get you a parrot. And he, and he already said, well, and he goes, no, we'll think about it. Let me think about it. And J Mark says to me, I had no intention of getting this boy a parrot. And so he said, but Jacob, Jacob's like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God gives me a parrot for Christmas. <laughs> right? So this little, little, little boy prays. And Mark says he gets a phone call. And he says his friend says, hey, man, I'm moving, and I can't take this parrot with me. I got a parrot. Do you know anybody <laughs> that can take a parrot? And so he ends up with a parrot, and he's got the whole thing, and it's crazy. The, when the dog barks, the parrot mocks the dog. So the, 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 the dog will go, woof, 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 and the parrot will go, ack, ack, ack. It's just crazy. It's like this like, sound effect going on in his house. And so he said to me, I told him, so I was just laughing with him, and he, and he said something to me, and I kind of got revelation of what he said. He goes, um, he goes, you know, I told the Lord. I'm like, man, Lord, you know, he's just kind of dealing with the Lord on it. And he said, the Lord said, Mark, you didn't want to give him a parrot, but I wanted to give him a parrot. How many things does God want to give you? How many things does he not want to give? He wants to give you. You see, here's the difference. We have to understand this as a people. Brothers and sisters. You ever watch brothers and sisters? Jealous, fighting, bickering over everything that's theirs. I want to play with the pony now. She took my hairbrush. He won't give me the G.I. Joes, you know? Brothers and sisters bicker and fight and operate in jealousy. Fathers and mothers love to give it away. And so the difference in growth and maturity is while we begin as brothers and sisters, our goal is to rise to mothers and fathers, to where we no longer are bickering and jealous over what somebody else has. But we celebrate what other people have, and we are glad for what other people have, and we bless them in return. And in fact, we're grateful to even do that. That's how your father is. He's not jealous of what you have. He wants to give you more. When he's working in your life, it's not because he wants something from you, it's because he wants something for you. So people, we're completely, we know, oh, God wants my money. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants it for you. He wants you to give so that you can operate according to the principles of heaven. Well, I guess I got to praise God. I guess I got to praise God. Does he want something from you? He wants something for you. He knows that when you praise him, something is released into your life. So it's not from you, it's for you. Well, I guess I got to go to church. God forbid, you know, got to go. You know, sit in a chair. Why? He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. You're walking out of here, you're blessed. You're walking out of here, you're going to carry something. Things are being ignited in over you. I have so much to say on Sundays. I write my notes and I think I don't have anything to say. And then I get up here and just the power of God moves. And he has more to say to you than I even have time to say. And I just feel him saying things and saying things and saying things and wanting to give you more because he wants to bless you. That's what it means when he speaks from the Spirit. It's because he spe I'm speaking from the Spirit. And it's what happens when you, you know, kind of go off the notes sometimes. It's like, like, why am I saying this? I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody needs this. So that's the point. He wants to give you things. And here's the thing. We obey his principles. And I'm spending a little more time on this than I did first service. They just got like a run through. But this is a very, 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 very important part. We believe God, we request him, we begin to follow the things that we know to do, and then the second side is, you, everybody say it with me, obey, obey. the prophetic impulses. What does that mean? You're believing God for a better job. You're believing God for a better opportunity. And all of a sudden, you're gonna, somebody's going to come by and you're going to go, oh yeah, my friend's got a restaurant down the street and they're, they're hiring. Obey the impulse. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Why? Because you're asking the Lord. He's hearing you. You're lining yourself up with the path of obedience. And he's releasing back to you the path to get to the place where he wants you to go. And where the Christian stumbles, where the Christian doesn't stumble so much in asking and requesting as much as we stumble in obeying. Doing what he's already said to do. And then we stumble at the prophetic impulse. Well, if I apply for that job, well, what does that mean? That means i got to quit my job. That means things are going to change. Well, what if they don't like me over there? Well, what if I get the job and I get in there and all of a sudden they do like me? You know, we start going into all this mental gymnastics. Well, did you ask him for it or didn't you? Well, if you asked him for it, then obey the prophetic impulse. He's going to give them to you. You're going to meet someone. There's a guy, he's like, oh, I felt like I was supposed to write this book. And he's saying he's going to write this book. He didn't know how he was going to write the book. And all of a sudden, this lady walks up and she goes, oh, I work for a publisher. Just out of the blue. And did she publish his book? No, but she gave him a lot of insights in how to write a book. 
Now, he would have never understood that if he didn't have that in his heart, and he saw this as the impulse of God that he had been asking for. Does this make sense to you? Does it, does, do you understand what I'm saying? And so that's a big thing, okay? So Jabez didn't want to be average. Next slide. That you would bless me indeed, this is going to go fast, and that you would enlarge my territory. What is he saying? Increase my influence and don't let it stop. So he's saying, not only bless me indeed, Lord, but increase my influence. Increase my influence. God wants his people in positions of influence. He does what he does. He wants you to be the decision maker, or he wants you to be the, in, the, in the arena where you're able to influence people. Make me way, make me bigger. What he's saying is make me bigger in every way that causes blessing. Here again, let's get, the, let's get theology right. What's the purpose of blessing? Here's the disconnect. See, the Bible teaches prosperity. In case you didn't know that. But here's the disconnect. The disconnect is the church has taught one side of prosperity. Here's our camps right now. We have two camps. God doesn't give a God, God of prosperity. And then you got these guys over here. No, God is a God of prosperity. And then you got the people in the middle. Well, what does that mean? Am I supposed to eat ramen noodles or am I supposed to drive a Lexus? I mean, what, what, is, what does that mean? You know, where am I at in the spectrum? You know, where is God in all of this? Well, the, he is a God of prosperity, plain and simple. But where we've lost it is we've, un, we've misunderstood the purpose of our prosperity. And where we disconnect is in the purpose of our prosperity. It tells us the purpose of your prosperity. Deuteronomy 8.18. Is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth? Let me just pause right here. Every single one of you have a supernatural power to generate wealth. Every one of you. Why? Because he gives it to his children. Now, your wealth may be relative. You may have the ability to generate $5,000. Somebody may have the ability to generate $5 million. But you all have an ability to generate wealth. And where does it come from? It comes through creative impulse. God has given you an ability to obtain wealth. Some of you need to ask, Lord, what is my ability? What is it that I have? What is it that I do? And there you go. You're asking. You're going to obey. He's going, okay, line up here. Then he's going to give you prophetic impulses. Follow those. But what is the purpose of your wealth? This is where we've lost it. That he may establish his covenant in the land which he swore to the fathers, to the ancestors. The purpose of the blessing of the Christian is to make God's work happen in the earth. That's the purpose. The purpose isn't so that you can drive a Mercedes and live on the water and wear your bling and watch and let everybody think of, let everybody see how wonderful you are and look down on people and go, oh, I've, you know, I used to be poor. I changed the soap every time the name gets rubbed off. That's how rich I am. <laughs> That's not the point. And so we think what we've disconnected on is we've disconnected to the relevance of prosperity, that it's relative to the person, but every person has the ability to generate wealth. And where we've disconnected to is we've disconnected from the purpose. I literally had a guy, I watched him in this church, he had a business that was making maybe $35,000 a year, and he wanted increase. I gave him the principles of God's increase. I talked about tithing and offering, and I told him, start operating this way. Within about a year and a half, the business went from $35,000 to $750,000. No lie. He don't come here anymore, um, but that's okay. He said, I went to lunch with him, and he told me, and I, you know, when I was approaching him and saying, look, I'm so glad God's given you this money. Here's some areas of need. What do you think? Oh, God told me not to give anymore. He literally told me that. I, the Lord told me not to give. Where, where in the world did he get that? Did he get that from the Bible? No, the problem was he could be faithful at 35000 but he could not be faithful at 750. I was praying the other day. I had a word for Heinrich, and I was telling him all this stuff, and I kept seeing, like, things coming to him, you know, which I don't want to get into. I probably should say it now, but I won't. But, and we were talking, and I was telling him, the, the Lord showed me he wants to bless the church. He wants to bless the community. But he has to be able to find faithful people to whom he can commit wealth to. Very few people can wear the ring of power. Very few people can wear the wing of, ring of wealth. Very few people can God endow with a blessing and them not get greedy and not go, it's all mine, mine, it's all mine. You'd be amazing how generous you are at 500 bucks a month and how stingy you are at $5,000 a month. You'd be amazed. God has given wealth to his people. He's not just giving wealth. He's giving wealth generators to his people. Creative insights and impulses that are generationally designed. Million-dollar ideas, 100,000 ideas, $50,000 ideas. He has given ideation to his people and an ability to generate wealth. But the question is, is can he find someone who will be faithful in their giving? That's the question. Can he? That's the question. So he has given you the power to get wealth. You have it. 
God is a God of prosperity, and he, he celebrates the prosperity of his children. He parties when we're prosperous, but he doesn't party when we're greedy. He's grieved at your greed. And our greed is what consumes us, and it's what short-tracks the destiny of God. It just does. Then what does he say? That your hand would be upon me. I'm almost done. That you would bless me indeed. If you tell the Lord, if you give it to me, you can get it through me. If, if you can push it through me, Lord, you know you can give it to me. And then you say, okay, the Lord's going to call you out on blessing. He's going to call you out on giving. Some of you, we struggle with giving. We, and you struggle in your finances because you struggle with giving. That's the problem. He has a plan. Be faithful and obedient. And then call him out. Lord, you said. Lord, you said. He doesn't have a problem with you when you tell him what he said. He actually gets happy. Oh, wow, you know what I said? Come on. I got somebody that knows what I said? Hallelujah. You, don't, you, you actually remember me saying that? You actually read that? You want me to do that? Yeah, I want to do that. That's what he does. Job te or jo Jabez tells him that your hand would be with me. What does it mean? That your open hand would be upon me. Anybody want the open hand of God on them? I don't even have any idea what that looks like, but man, I want that. What, if Jesus puts his, he wants to put his open hand on me, man, yeah, do it. A personal, what is he saying? That a personal touch of heaven would mark my life. That favor would be on me everywhere I go. People would just be like, man, what's wrong with you? You're just lucky. I'm not lucky. I'm favored. And there's nothing fair about favor. Nothing fair. See, that's not fair. There's nothing fair about favor. It's the favor of God. Next slide. What's in God's hand? That's what Jabez is asking me. Give me what's in your hand. This, I'm glad you asked. What's in God's hand? Enjoyment and satisfaction is in his hand. Ecclesiastes. Victory is in his hand, Psalm 118. Exaltation is in his hand, 1 Peter 5, Psalm 110. Power, blessing, and justice, Psalm 89. Creativity is in his hand. God is a creator. You need creativity? It's in his hand. Achievement is in his hand. Deliverance is in his hand. Fearlessness is in his hand. The things from above are in his hand. Unity is in his hand. And miracles are in his hand. These are just some of the things that are in the hand of the Lord. So when, Job is said, when Jabez is saying, put your hand on me, he's saying, put these things on my life. Put them on me. I'll leave it there. There's a couple of you taking pictures. But. My favorite is fearlessness. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he said to me, do not be afraid. <laughs> There's fearlessness in the hand of the Lord. And he puts his hand on you. Fearlessness, miracles. The apostles said, Lord, stretch out your hand and perform miracles that testify of Jesus. His hand would be on us. All right, next slide. Here it is. That you would keep me from evil. So he prays these four things. The last one is that you would keep me evil and I, from evil and I wouldn't cause pain. That I wouldn't be who everybody says I am. I don't want to be who anybody says I am. I don't even want to be who I say I am. I want to be who Jesus says I am. And, and I want to make myself believe and live and understand as Jesus says I am. I don't want to think any other way. I don't want to act any other way. I want to be as he says I am. And that's what Job was saying. Man, my, my family has labeled me. I come from a broken background. I come from so much disadvantage. You have no idea. I don't want that, Lord. Take me from that. And let my life be a blessing, not let my life cause pain. Keep me from the things that cause pain. What are things that cause pain? Pride causes pain. Unforgiveness causes pain. Pain to yourself, pain to others. Unforgiveness impedes your relationship with God. Lord, help me forgive. Give me the power. Ego. Ego cause pain? Hello. Does your ego cause pain? Hello. Does other people's ego cause pain? Hello, yeah. Ego. Entitlement causes pain. Entitlement. I'm above that. I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. You're actually outside the principle of the kingdom because the beginning point of all Christians is service. We're called servants of Christ, not the entitled of Christ. While we have entitlement, we have entitlement as sons and daughters. He's elevated you, but we willingly come like him and come as servants. And so what happens when we feel that we're entitled, that we're above something, oh, do you know who I am, oh, and all these other things, and we have these attitudes of where we don't want to serve in any way, we're actually operating in entitlement, and these are the things that are causing pain. They're causing pain to your destiny, they're causing pain to the kingdom, and they're causing pain to the area of service that you were called to be a part of. Entitlement. Innocence and integrity. Job, or Jabez wanted the, I keep calling him Job. Job, Jabez wanted the, the preservations of his innocence and his, his integrity. He wanted to remain pure before the Lord, without judgment, 
without anything. He wanted to just be pure before God. Entitlement is a big problem. It's a big problem. We have to serve the Lord and humble ourselves and be in service unto him. And so I just wanted to give you guys an outline of the prayer of Jabez. And some of you should take 1 Chronicles 4.9, and I feel like God is challenging me to do this. And I'm not going to go buy a plaque at the Christian bookstore, but I definitely am going to find some way to get that out in front of me so that every morning when I wake up, even if I'm just saying this, I can begin to set my mind upon the things that God has for me and you for the same. He has blessing for you. You know that? It's the biggest thing. Aren't you glad? In every way, in every way, he wants to bless you. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, in your future, in your finances, there is not an area of your life that God does not want to bless you. My question isn't whether God wants to bless me. My question is, how is this going to happen? What do I need to do? Where do I need to change? What's my problem? You know, the problem's always with us. The problem's never with the Lord. It's always with us. The problem's with us. Where do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? Where do I need to shift? You know, that's, that's the issue. So yeah. So if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to invite you into the greatest blessing that you could ever possibly know, and that's knowing him. We talked this morning a lot about God blessing you and how much he has for you, but the greatest gift of all is not just his blessing in these areas of our life, but the blessing of the forgiveness of your heart. If you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's your day. I'm going to close with a prayer. We're all going to pray together. And it's simply the exchange of the heart. It's not the exchange of words as much as it is the exchange of the heart. You say, I don't know if I, if, I, if I understand it. You don't have to understand in order to believe. Belief and understanding are two entirely different things. You can believe without understanding. You can choose to believe. And so if that's you here this morning, the church is going to pray with us. Elevate's going to pray with you. We're going to be one in this today. But we want to invite you to join us in this prayer and just simply open your heart and I'll lead you in the prayer, so let's pray it out. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I need a Savior in every area of my life. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. You say that's it? No, that's the start of it. So I'm going to bless you one more time. Okay? In case you don't understand, we are all about blessing. Okay? Say, is this the Bless Me Club? Yes, it is. I'm president of the local chapter of the Bless Me Club. Right? It is my honor to bless you in Jesus' name. And so just receive it. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to sign up for life groups, cell groups, and uh, have a wonderful time. Love you guys. Cell training is today. If you're here for cell training, that's this afternoon in that room. You know who you are. Have a great week. What's going on?